Welcome to our journey. Our journey toward a more perfect union. Our more perfect union is an experiment, a grand experiment in something we all cherish, democracy. Welcome to our Radio Roundtable with higher education consultant, Dr. Michael Walker-Jones, Harvard's Executive Director for Health and Human Rights, Dr. Natalie Alinos, and from Beacon Hill, Representative Jeff Roy, as we the people celebrate the journey of America toward a more perfect union. Welcome to A More Perfect Union. I'm Nick Remesong. Joining me this week from our radio roundtable of regulars, we have higher education consultant, Dr. Michael Walker-Jones, Harvard's executive director for health and human rights, Dr. Natalia Linos from Beacon Hill, our representative, Jeff Roy. And we're going to hear from him, I'm sure, very shortly, our station manager, Peter Jay. Yay. They let me in. I get to ride along. There you go. (laughs) Just as I'm doing. Well, it's it's something that I experienced here today I'd like to talk about just very briefly to introduce the show. It's that eerie moment when you look behind you and realize your view is the same as facing forward. It's a feeling of immediate displacement in an all-too-familiar place. I've been here before. All of this already I've seen, I've, I've heard, and only the time is different. Well, they call it deja vu. And uh, with a government shutdown looming, of impeachment, infaction squabbling, and political double dealing in a, a naked grab for power without strength. Nick, what country are we talking about? We uh, are talking about the, the country we love and live in, the United oh States of America. I know. Say it ain't so. Well, it, it <sighs> seems to be. I mean, certainly I'm not casting aspersions on our great nation. Never will do that. But it just seems like we're we're stuck in a loop. Can we get out of this loop? Well, I have some aspersions to cast. I just need some direction. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I, th- I think that there are certain people walking the halls of Congress who are pushing for this impeachment hearing. Mm. Which, oh, yeah. And, and you know, quite frankly, you know, the sentiment is that the, the Republican Party is quite divided over this notion of forcing McCarthy to move forward on that when there's already been a significant investigation, significant analysis of bank accounts and so on, and they're not turning up anything. So I don't understand why this compunction to press forward with an impeachment hearing other than here is the distraction du jour, the sleight of hand. Look in this direction, folks, not the not the other one. And that seems to be rising to the level of full contact sport. And all it does is throw more shade on that notion that Congress can never get anything done because of all of these distractions. And is this inquiry going to lead anywhere? Odds are awfully slim. I, you know, I won't say always, never, but it's it's hard to envision that there's a there, there that's substantive enough to warrant such things. I was noodling over the idea that perhaps we might want to actually retrospectively look back at every president we've ever had and inaugurate impeachment proceedings against all transgressions past using today's metrics. Now, 
right there, that would keep Congress busy for the next thousand years. But perhaps the only president that might escape the wrath of impeachment under that one is is David Rice Acheson. Acheson was president for exactly 24 hours, technically speaking, and he got absolutely nothing done because it was between a Sunday and a Monday, and he opted not even to be sworn in, even though technically he was the president because the president and vice president had vacated their offices at the end of their term. And being a Sunday, they couldn't continue with the real swearing in of the next president until Monday, leaving Acheson to fill the hole for a day. So having accomplished absolutely nothing, we can either say, well, he's off the hook, or we could consider impeachment for dereliction of duty, having accomplished absolutely nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So Uh. you, you see where I'm going with all this. You can always find some reason somewhere, somehow to feel yeah, bad about what 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 the person's doing uh uh pete i'd like to add uh uh one other perspective uh to that uh and it's much more of the 21st century and the kind of divisive politics that we're into and that is uh, the republicans at this point are playing the game of you impeached our guy we're going to impeach yours that's it uh, and it's it's also a matter of if you impeach Trump and because you impeached him twice, we're going to impeach your guy. Here's the proof of that. They said that at the end of the last Congress, they said, just wait, if we get in power, here's what we're going to do. They said it again when yep. the majority uh, came about in the House. And they have been saying it for the last year. The problem is we as the American people, I hope, are paying attention and the distraction as well as the idiocy of you impeach our guy, we're going to impeach yours, ought to weigh heavily on the next election. Therein lies the real telling point. Will the American people uh, be cognizant enough? Will they be paying attention enough to take those people who are perpetrating this whole scam on us as the American people and throw them out of office. Well, you know, we have short memories. That's really what is at issue here. The next election cycle is far enough away. Well, uh, the other thing, too, is is speaking of election cycles, uh, not only is it, you know, we're going to impeach your guy, but what this does is it it creates an institutional form of whataboutism. While Trump is walking around with, you know, indictments that, you know, what, 89, 91 indictments and faces all of this court action between now and the actual election. Here's an opportunity to create a similar scenario where Congress can lay claim to putting Biden through the same sort of business, even though there are no indictments there. There's this wall of confusion that they can create where Biden is then appears to be in their eyes equivalent to Trump, you know, a pox on all our houses. And and it's a way of being able to throw chaff in front of whatever his elected messaging is going to be. And that's it. Just generating chaff. That's that's the drill here. You know, I wish uh, that uh, Monty Python was still um, <laughs> producing, yes. uh, you know, movies and skits because Hollywood I can only think of what they could do with uh, this particular situation. Everybody here for the impeachment. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And the thing and the, uh, the freedom caucus itself, 
the Freedom Caucus itself has gone back on their promises to McCarthy. They've said, OK, well, you know, give us the impeachment and we'll uh, we'll work to, you know, stop the uh, government shutdown. Well, now just they, a flesh wound. Yeah. They're just saying, nope, nope. Sorry. You know, we got what we wanted. So we're, we'll we're, we'll move on. We're all set. You know, you, you, you you're out there dangling once again, Mr. McCarthy, Senator McCarthy, Representative McCarthy, whatever you are now. Uh, I'm sorry. Jeff, yeah, I don't I, have much to add, but I want I want Jeff to continue. <laughs> just yes. show. If, you, if you keep it up, I will uh, I will buy you lunch. I'm, I'm not in a very good mood today. <laughs> I'm being impeached for an attack by fresh fruit. <laughs> a stoning? Who said a stoning? It's an impeachment. Well, we'll this move to another level is here, ladies and gentlemen. Bad acts. We must take action now. <laughs> oh. oh, well. This isn't an argument, it's abuse. <laughs> We're going to get banned from radio. Yeah, you well, you get on the CC violations going on here. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I think I think what we're doing is we are doing an excellent job at personifying through ridicule the ridiculousness of what is actually happening as people go into stage four Potomac fever. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's what's going on here. It's becoming terminal. Always look at the bright side of life. life. <laughs> oh, Natalia, are you you enjoying this? Yeah. I, I am deeply enjoying this. And, you know, I should say I'm impressed that all of you are following along. I mean, I basically have kind of become maybe what <clears throat> we're accused of, the younger generation of becoming a little apathetic. So I've, I've sort of stopped following the impeachment news. Like, that's just it's, my strategy. I just... Mm-hmm. I'm blocking it out now. It's becoming kind of just garbled. So mm-hmm. I wish this level of, you know, ridiculousness didn't lead to that. But that is, to me, that's my response is, okay, I'm just mm-hmm. not going to follow, follow the news because it's irrelevant. But but maybe that that's a problem, the apathy, because... Well, impeachment yeah. used to be a capital I. That is, it was a big deal to even yeah. utter the words in D.C., are you ignorant uh, and apathetic? I don't know, and I don't care. <laughs> and, and you know, it, it's it's had all of the gravitas wrung out of it because it's moved from being an unusually special condition involving high crimes and misdemeanors mm-hmm. to a steady state condition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that's, it's be- that's that thing. It's shop worn. Yeah, it's become a daily tool. Yeah. To, 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 you know, just rattle that little saber and say, I'm going to have we're going to impeach you. We don't can like somebody, what you're doing. Uh, can somebody name the last president who was not that impeachment was not mentioned around? Uh, well, Johnson. Johnson. Uh, and that's quite surprising that yeah. they didn't attempt to impeach him. I mean, well, he had to announce his resignation. They may have done it, but that's that's an interesting answer. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd say Johnson. Uh, <clears throat> and I'm assuming you mean the, LBJ and not LBJ. Andrew. No, no Andrew. Andrew, 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 not did, Andrew yeah. No, Andrew did uh, face uh, impeachment. Yeah. So the presidents who actually have been impeached are Andrew, Bill Clinton and Donald Trump are the, those. That's what Wikipedia tells me. <laughs> yeah, those are the three that have been <laughs> yeah. impeached. And uh, Richard Nixon was. Uh, they were delivering articles yep. impeachment, uh, but mm-hmm. he resigned before they uh, issued them. I know I remember them talking about it with uh, George W. Bush. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with yeah. President Obama, were there? They, they talked they, about it. They talked about it. Oddly enough, they did not move uh, much beyond the talk, which um, was surprising. I don't know what uh, what caused them to draw back from that, but they uh, they did stay away from it from uh, from President Obama. So it's 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 just become like I say, it's become a daily tool. It's no longer it's lost its novelty, so to speak, uh, which is unfortunate because I can remember the impeachment uh, hearings on the Hill when I was a kid living in D.C. We went to uh, went to one. It was a very and, big deal. Oh, it was a huge deal. It was I mean, you know, that was a huge deal because of the generation of solid news reporting behind it. And I think that's a part of the reason why, uh, Natalia, that there's a, a, a just a, a movement, a, a feeling now that there's just there's just so much nonsense out there. It's just something that, you know, I cannot wrap my mind around. And also, I can't spend that much energy on it because I have to get through life. I have to get through COVID. I have right. to get through raising children. I have to get through paying for college education. I have to get through mortgage rates that are through the roof. How am I going to buy a home when that's what I've been aiming for and saving right. for? And I can't do it. So I'm going to worry about Joe Biden. I'm going to worry about Kevin McCarthy. I'm going to worry about Marjorie Taylor Greene. I can't do it. My mind are increasingly irrelevant to me because mm-hmm. they're just worried about culture issues. Yeah, culture and the griff. They're just right. worried about uh, how much power can I grab naked power with no real ideal how to use that power for anyone's good other than my own gain. You know, you but, sound but, like uh, the knights oh, of the knights who say knee. knee, knee. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and what do they say? Oh, uh, yeah, we will say knee again if you do not appease us. Well, tell us what you want. <laughs> A shrubbery. <laughs> a what? A shrubbery. And it was a dandy shrubbery, too, as I remember. They had a, a good idea of what they were looking for. Was we don't. Absolutely <laughs> no sense. That's, yes. uh, you know, this whole, this whole point, this whole right. topic and discussion and what the hell is happening down there makes absolutely no sense. And it gives life to those silly skits that yeah. uh, make more sense to me today. Uh, in the context of what I'm watching down in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. I said, okay, now I understand who the, mm-hmm. who the knights who say knee are. But, What's you know, great- Natalia brings up a good point. And, she always and, does. And mm-hmm. uh, absolutely. Uh, and Natalia, one of the things, though, help me with this then, because we may be political wor- uh, nerds, walks, whatever, but as a uh, but as a regular person, a mom, uh, a person who goes to work every day is real serious about your job. What are and and your ability to ignore this background noise as you see it? What are the things though that you're yearning for uh, as a young person in terms of well, here's what I really would like to see in the news. In other words, as you look through whether it's online stuff or if you're like some of us old people and stuff, you're still looking at a newspaper from time to time. Uh, what is it that you're looking for? What is it that, you know, that you're sort of yearning to see come out of whether it's Washington uh, or Boston or in in Brookline? So, Michael, you know, I, I 
I'm not the average person in the sense that I, as you all know, I have a really international background, but the things that have been preoccupying me the last few weeks are, you know, the earthquake in Morocco, the dam that crashed in Libya, more the international issues and climate change as as kind of the challenge. And obviously- Are you saying that the issues that are going on with your PTA are not Prompted, uh, high in your mind. I today? care about those too. I was okay. I was at a school committee last night, right. and even in Brookline, heat. I don't know if that was the same in Franklin the first week and the heat sure. issues yes. of yes. school, and you know mm-hmm. how do we plan for it? So you know, it 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 feels like as Nick said, you know, things that matter that I'm feeling in my life. You know, I'm feeling the impact of climate change already. And I'm seeing it in the news in these very drastic disasters across the globe, you know, issues not, um, and it feels like some of the debates around, you know, the impeachment and stuff is these personal attacks. And we've kind of stepped away from like the issues, like our, our world is imploding. You know, we're seeing unheard of catastrophes in, in, you know, my home country of Greece, there were the forest fires everybody heard about, but right now there's floods. About a third of the country is underwater, not underwater, not a third of the country, a smaller proportion, but a big proportion of the agricultural land is underwater. Mm-hmm. Floods that followed people's livelihoods are at stake. And somehow, you know, there's this accusation of the US media not paying attention to what's going on around the world. And and there's a lot going on around the world right now. So I guess for me, it's connecting the dots between what we're seeing in Brookline and teachers and parents being concerned about heat days and kids going to school with no, you know, air conditioning and how are they supposed to learn and and be healthy with the natural disaster. So climate is a top priority. Um, I mean, I care about obviously the political conversations happening in in DC, but only in so far, you know, immigration issues that you know we're seeing a huge challenge to everyone, including our state. You know, those are those are the types of issues that I I think people want to discuss more than than somehow politics in the US has become very much about individual personalities and their age and what they did. And you know, I don't mm. know if I'm asking your question, Michael, but it's it is what you said that I'm feeling the day-to-day is is really important and there are policy conversations that we should be having. Yeah. I think I think you answered it brilliantly because that's that's what it is, is how much impact can I have? Certainly. And and Jeffrey, I'm sure you can weigh in on this. Certainly, we should be thinking about how much impact we can have on the national policies and by doing, you know, doing that locally through our representatives and speaking to them, contacting them, making them aware of how we feel and then relying on them to reasonably and intelligently work with those who can impact on policy and legislation to get things done. But how can we impact on everything at all times? No, you have to deal with your day-to-day life. You have to live your life. And that's what's going to be at the front of your mind at all times. I'll tell you, the, uh, you know, climate change is... uh, something that uh, is on my mind uh, each and every day. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. the the failure of the federal government to get something done has really put uh, the onus on the states to mm-hmm. step up to the plate. Uh, I'm delighted that uh, I live, work, and represent Massachusetts 
and I think we've done a good job stepping up to the plate to address this and uh, put policies in place that will uh, move uh, the fight against global warming uh, forward here in Massachusetts. But uh, unfortunately, uh, global warming and climate change is not something that knows borders. It doesn't stop at the uh, the border line right. for the the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. So you know we have to push our neighbors uh, to do the same thing. And that's not just neighboring states, uh, but countries uh, across the world that uh, we have to push. It was unfortunate that the uh, Paris Agreement kind of fell apart at the beginning of the uh, Trump administration, set us back uh, so many years. Uh, hopefully we can get back on track, but climate change is, is one of those uh, examples uh, and there are so many others where the uh, states have stepped in. Uh, you know, the the erosion and collapse of of Roe versus Wade has really put, uh, you know, personal liberty and privacy uh, in the hands yet again uh, of the states. And there's so many examples that uh, are, are out there, but we have to be more vigilant and we have to be stronger. And I will say local communities uh, in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, there are 351 of them. They push us uh, as state officials to uh, take certain actions and, and take steps because uh, they want to see movement, too. So it's a good uh, say it's a good thing about our democracy that we have local governments, state governments and federal governments, and each can push the buttons of the other to move them into the uh, the right direction. So. Well, I think, you know, and I think your point, Natalia, is is excellent because one of the things that, let's say, ignoring all of the background noise around impeachment, <clears throat> there's another piece that we're not going to be able to ignore, which is the trade-off, apparently, that McCarthy has made that if I give you this bone of uh, an impeachment inquiry, you will vote for keeping the government open. Uh, I think that's a whole nother topic of uh, of the federal government, again, making itself dangerous and in some cases relevant only to the destruction of our uh, sort of understanding of our democracy. <laughs> but I'd also like to focus on something that you said that may not have very much significance on its surface, but is uh, but is massive. In your school district, and Jeff, you can help me with with Franklin, you have schools that when they were built did not need air conditioning. And uh, I can say where I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, when some of our schools were built, either air conditioning was prohibitive or it just wasn't needed at the time because we didn't have the kind of heat that we do now. I'm going to fast forward to just a uh, about a week ago when, believe it or not, but for a shift in the jet stream more north, we averted a bullet, which is we could have had a massive hurricane come slamming down on New England because our water temperature is high enough to support a Category 4 or potentially five hurricane, that in and of itself is dangerous. Our environment, um, to some degree, the coast of Massachusetts, we're, we're preparing for that eventuality. I don't know if any of you have seen 
uh, the hurricane evacuation routes that have been installed in the last 10 years. But we have to prepare for global warming hitting us in a way that uh, not only may be biblical, but also very, very dangerous. Okay, so now let's put that in the context of, uh, as you're saying, Jeff, who's helping us to prepare and deal with that? Who's, from the government standpoint, looking out after our interest here? And if I'm a parent, I'm concerned about sending my kindergartner to a building where there's no air conditioning. Little kids are much more prone to heat stroke than uh, uh, than we might admit. So again, as as we look at our politics, I'm hoping that people wake up and uh, scratch their heads and go, wait a minute, who's really working in my interest? I, I don't think we have that much of a concern uh, as some of the other states. But yes, we do have a concern because not all of our legislative members are actually on the same page as our citizens. So uh, again, with this issue of the impeachment, what do we do? Well, there are other issues uh, also that that tie into that as well. There's a there's a line. I don't know which industry it was attributed to. Uh, some people refer to it sometimes as L.A. filmmaking, but it's also, I think, appropriate for Washington, where basically pimps and charlatans run the halls and good men die like dogs was the line. But in that line, it addresses things like. Romney's announcement this very week that he's not going to run again. Now, he claims, obviously, that in his his next Senate term, he would end up finishing that out in his 80s. But that said, here's a man that we all know from his governorship here in Massachusetts. He must have um, listened to a How Old is Too Old show. Right. Well, there's that. Because yeah, <laughs> the timing of him making his announcement yeah. is remarkable. Yes. So clearly he listened to the show. So. Yes, clearly. And yes, he's still tied to Massachusetts and particularly our broadcast, but he, he is the only man who has brought some sanity to the Trump impeachment proceedings, where he evaluated the evidence and voted accordingly mm -hmm. on the issue rather than the party. And you know, let's also acknowledge the fact that you know, Obamacare, as such as it is that we have, which is a good thing, you know, began under his administration here in Massachusetts. True. Yeah. So then you add other people in the mix, uh, Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, the people who tried to bring some real reason to the issues back when things were getting pretty horrible. And, you know, they, they opted in their own way to self-destruct, either voluntarily bowing out or not running again, or knowing that they, based on what they were saying, probably killed any opportunity for another term. And this is an issue. This is a real issue with the right wing and and particularly with Trump and the populists holding the Republican Party hostage. It's what they're doing. My real concern is that this isn't over with Trump, even if he goes to jail with indictments or whatnot. And, you know, they fit up the orange one with an orange jumpsuit and he goes away. Mm. Um who are all the people waiting in the wings to apply, to apply the same playbook? And, you know, it only leads to a, you know, a series of wars and skirmishes, impeachments, uh, going back and forth until we get to what point, when does the whole thing just implode? I have a question on that, um, Pete, like what is the cost of an impeachment inquiry? Like clearly there are staff mm. time, 
people and like what is Good it cost government to to do sort of frivolous i would millions. say it's millions right and millions. not only distraction from the issues that are really pressing like it's a distraction everybody has to pay attention not only you know to the public a distraction but also to the people who are governing but but there should be yeah i mean i'm sure there's a cost in terms of staff time and and money being paid to pr companies but what i mean is it a few million is it multiple millions and oh it's tens of millions it's tens of millions easily yeah yeah because it's it's and again it's it's the old uh concept of uh concept of woofer dust throw it in their eyes keep them blind and then work your magic on the other side distraction so it, but yes, it's, it's a very large number. It is. It's a very large number. The, I mean, Watergate, I think, was the, the well, the, the, the Watergate impeachment hearings, aside from everything else that went on, I think were estimated at that time, you know, in, in 1970, 1971, 72. Uh, they they came in at something like $22 million. And of course, it's that's really a bargain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that we shouldn't have them, you know, obviously. No, we- no, no. Yeah, hearings and you know but but when there is a cost doing it without taking that into account and it's a cost to taxpayers and to others like i i do think those trade-offs are really important for the public to know and obviously mm. we need to have accountability and and i'm not saying we should get rid of the entire concept but it it feels like cost should be something that the public is aware of so that they know that you know we're, we're paying for for this kind of witch hunt when it becomes a witch hunt and it's more but yeah well you're you're getting to the point where we began talking about this at the outset and and it is that when these things come to the fore based on personal agendas and they are at their face frivolous when that begins to happen that's you know spending tens of million dollars on on what is a frivolous exchange as a distraction is is you know, extremely unhealthy, unfortunately. All the good things that we could be doing end up being sacrificed along with the money that's spent. But so let's talk about, you know, the people. How do the people become smart enough, wise enough, with enough institutional memory to track all of this stuff and vote accordingly? Therein lies a challenge, because as Trump's playbook reveals, there is a large enough population out there that can be co-opted, managed, corralled to actually vote against their best interests. Yeah. Well, I think part of part of what's happening is that there's no longer a concentration of a meat of the media to your eyes. And here's what I mean by that. Prior to the explosion of the 24 hour news cycle and the uh, the the loss of print media, you know, you had a limited number of sources, but those sources typically could put something right in front of your face. Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House to announce impeachment inquiry. All right. Front page, big banner on top. Boom. All right. You see it on the newsstands. You go into a diner. There's the paper sitting there, etc. Now, You walk into a diner, you're lucky if there's any kind of newspaper or anything around. You open your phone up, and it's all about Tom Brady's love life. 
and then you turn on the television, you've got local news, which is sandwiched in between all of these reality shows. Or if you look, watch one of the news channels, they've got so many hours to fill that content does not concentrate on one or two or three or four topics all day long. You're inundated with news breaks. And then when the real news happens, for example, an escaped prisoner, you know, is on the loose and we're trying to catch him, then that takes the focus. No longer can we as citizens basically take a story uh, or take an event or take something that impacts us through, let's say, Washington, and then follow through with it. And our choices now are almost unlimited. No longer do you have uh, uh, some news editor trying to cull through things. You've got a whole headline list of, okay, do you want entertainment? Do you want business? Do you want uh, weather? Do you want this? And then just click here and then open it up. What I'm afraid of, Pete, is that we're talking in old terms. We're talking in terms that in terms of the media. And I think, Natalia, you put it out there very succinctly that people can ignore what they now see as just background noise. So let me just concentrate on living day to day. And if somebody's going to help me live better then, hey, that's the person I'm going to gravitate toward. So I'm not sure that we're in a position where our democracy is really helping itself through uh, what used to be an opportunity for the media to help us focus and concentrate. I'd like to know your thoughts about that. But I see the whole thing is really uh, this background noise is so eclectic. Uh, that I could, like Natalia, just focus on my grandkids and trying to help my kids save for college for them. And I'd be happy. Well, the journey that you're talking about, number one, first of all, yeah, when we grew, grew up, we lived with limited numbers of channels, limited numbers of news sources, but those news sources were curated. Mm -hmm. That's an operative word here. Mm -hmm. uh, there was, and there was also a real sense of journalistic responsibility. And some of that was mandated for radio and TV by the FCC. We used to have a fairness doctrine where you had to present both sides of an issue or both sides of the candidates' mm -hmm. issues. You, you had to be balanced and you had to operate in the public interest, convenience and necessity. And all of that has basically been stricken from the record with respect to, you know, the guidance from the commission. Then you move on to social media, where now it's no longer curated, but anything goes, anybody can claim anything. And if it's bombastic enough, it's going to pull some likes. Then add to that the fact, and I think this is where it's a really egregious, where it's really egregious is the forced mathematical stovepiping that is triggered by the platforms. They claim that they're platforms and anybody can say whatever they want. And that supposedly that's a neutral position. But what they're doing is they're acting in reinforcement. They're actively engaged in the conversation through their influence. And unfortunately, Congress has not responded to that. That is a real issue. It's been talked about, but it's been dodged. There should be massive class action lawsuits afoot at the least, but if, if not, in fact, criminal action, because I think that the idea of steering people towards the things that they think they want to read or whatever, it removes all the balance and, and 
it forces everybody into their own camp and it begins to polarize things far more than they already are. And so here we are at the edge of the next generation of that phenomenon. And the next generation of that phenomenon is coming to us rapidly with AI, where what we will be reading will be greatly amplified. Reading, listening to, hearing will become intensely amplified when those who are operating in their own interests begin to use this as a powerful tool for dissemination and generating even more woofer dust. We've got to get that under control. And I'm not sure exactly, like anything else, it's a tool. In the hands of the right people, it can do marvelous things. In the hands of those with nefarious intent, yeah, they, yikes. They, and they really actually are the ones who create the greatest stir. So yeah, they're they're right. going to get the most most airtime. I mean, I I blame it all on ABC News back in the mid seventies when they put Rune Arledge in charge of uh, <laughs> the ABC the, the News sports guy, Wild World of Sports. Rune Arledge, he had yeah. was he was amazingly successful. He took right. that show, that show ran for years and was just it was it was it was it was an amazing way to watch sports. You got a little bit of everything, and it was entertaining. And they said, well, victory and the agony of defeat, defeat. Yeah. And you saw that guy, that skier coming down that hill and he wiped out every week. But I mean, (laughs) they looked at it and said, well, we can make news fun, too. We can make news fun Uh and entertaining. And they brought in Rune and Rune said, yeah, well, well, I guess if that's what you want me to do, that's what I'll do. And he did it. And everyone picked up on it. Yeah, but Rune wasn't trying to make uh, news sports. What what they hired him for was his skills and uh, and competencies around entertainment mm-hmm. and that he, I, was i'm not hook. blaming rune i'm blaming abc news you know well, the, the news department said we'll we'll give you you know we'll increase our budget and we'll we'll run with this and we'll make a lot of money absolutely and, and then the other thing too don't forget uh the expansion of the 24-hour news cycle mm-hmm. came with uh uh, uh, during the uh, impeachment process for Nixon and the idea that we can have a report every night, mm-hmm. uh, which then morphed into the, uh, uh, oh goodness, what was the one with, uh, uh, again, ABC News, where- uh, You think in a dateline? Uh, I think it was, was it Nightline? It was a, Nightline. it was a show yeah, where every day he would announce today is the 24th day. Today is the 100th day. Okay. And well, that started with that the was, Iran hostage. Uh, that was crisis. Ted Koppel. Yes. That was Ted, Ted Koppel. Koppel. Yes. Ted yeah. Koppel. That's Nightline. it. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Yeah, okay. that was the Iran hostage crisis. And, and and so that show, as a matter of fact, I see that show as one of the precursors, the nightly entertainment, uh, as well as, quote unquote, uh, covering uh, with news kind of uh, trappings. Uh, but every night, Ted Koppel would come on. Today is the 124th day of blah, 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 blah. And, and now we get that 24 hours a day. So you're right but again that's only one actually one sliver of the media don't forget we've got the fall of the print media we've got the idea that no one as you said uh, pete mm-hmm. uh, is curated anymore and when it comes to the fcc uh regulations we now have uh the original uh quote unquote free airwaves regulations 
but everyone else is not regulated. Right. So you can go in before when you wouldn't be able to hear any kind of disparaging curse words or anything on television. Now, all you got to do is take it off of the regular channels, take it off of the local channels and put it on any other channel and you may hear anything. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the curation is gone, but at the same time, I'm, I'm still curious. And as Natalia said, young people nowadays are not focused on what some of us who are policy walks are uh, are trying to talk about. I mean, here we are talking about impeachment, spending very little time talking about, again, the children, the heat, the buildings, the climate change, uh, and the impact that people like Jeff are going to have to deal with as a result of those policies not working. The fact that Trump, and it wasn't that the Paris Agreement uh, fell apart, we abandoned it. We did. The largest player mm-hmm. in the in the world, we were the ones who destroyed it. Because uh, there are some who are, some of the countries who are still trying to do their best to live under it, but there's no guidance anymore. I mean, Biden is trying to pick it up uh, and run with it, but now he's having a heck of a time because it was thrown to the curb, run over, and then imploded. So now you've got to try to rebuild the whole blasted thing all over again. You know, I'm and I'm getting myself more and more confused around uh, how it is that we can change this. And I guess that's really when you look at the impeachment, let's talk about what can we do to help as citizens? Uh, What can we tell our other uh, regional uh, residents like us in Franklin and Medway and uh, and Milford and Bellingham, uh, you know, what can we do to make a difference? I would hope that, you know, the, the those who do listen to this show have seen it. I mean, certainly I, I, I can't deny it. This has been when we've been talking about this, this has been pretty much a one sided discussion in terms of where all or most of us stand who've been a major part of this, you know, been here consistently. Certainly, I think that's that's obvious. But at the same time, I hope people are looking at it if they disagree that they're beginning to make a reasoned look at how they can attack our points of view. And that's fine. That's what it's it's part of what we're here for is to, I think, stimulate that sort of response. Give us a well-reasoned reaction to some of our more are more well-reasoned. I'd say today's been an example. There's been a couple of moments when we've kind of degenerated, <laughs> fallen into something that reason, no, reason didn't have a whole lot to do with it. Well, British it was, British absurdist humor yeah, is entirely right. appropriate for the topic at hand. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it fits. There you go. There we go. There's the lack of reason right there. Uh, <laughs> but it's actually all the way you walk and you must walk <laughs> in the very proper uh, okay, we're back. Yes, we're back. <laughs> Natalia has has has, has had to leave, hey, so we're we're back. Nick, you invited that. You invited I that. That's, that's, that's what that's <laughs> what I'm, I'm looking for. I'm looking for some response. Let's keep this moving. You people have been letting me down. No, you know, I'll tell you as I'm listening to you uh, talk about that, Nick. I'm saying it's remarkable to me that those who would defend the silliness have yet to take up the mantle and come on this show and defend it. 
or if not defend it, uh, explain to us mm-hmm. what the rational basis is for it. Well, right. that's, again, yeah, that's what I mean. It's, let's send it's that invitation. invitation out. Come on. Well, it's, it's not it's more than an invitation. It's kind of like a, a, a you know, a, a dare that we've been putting yes. on here for the last several months is we dare you to 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 prove us wrong. Show us where we are wrong. I mean, 100 percent. No, no one gets 100 percent. 50 percent. That's probably you're shooting a little high there, too, sometimes, particularly with my with regard to my views and uh, attitudes. But do something that shows that you're you're, you're part of working towards a solution. We certainly don't need any more, any louder screams and hollers, and we don't need uh, calls for secession and insurrection. But if that's what you strongly believe, come on, tell us about it. You know, if we show. offered free vaccines, do you think that that would encourage them to come on? <laughs> well, well, actually, well, I got to yeah, tell you, Jeff I'm sitting, I get free today. vaccines. He is on yeah, today. Yeah, he's, <laughs> you know, Jeff. Jeff is absolutely on today, and uh, uh, I had something. You, I don't know brother. if it's Wheaties. I don't know that necessarily <laughs> it's Wheaties, but he's had I, something. I said at the beginning of the show, I am in a phenomenally wonderful mood today. Well, it's the break in the weather. We had the the threats of go. tornadoes yesterday, and now we've got this glorious, this 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 you know glorious day that uh, you know you can't help but be awakened and feel a little bit like you've survived something. I think. I think I'm going to I think I'm going to throw in one last thought here uh, Do it to wrap this up. One of the concerns about all these impeachments, frivolous uh, and also the, you know, the Trump administration blowing up the Paris Accord, blowing up the Iran nuclear nuclear deal. Just it has demonstrated to the world that we are fickle. You know, that beacon of light, the leaders of the free world, call us what you will. At one point, other countries used to depend on us to be steady on, and that has been unfortunately seriously tarnished. And if this next election goes in that same direction and we keep on vacillating back and forth, back and forth violently like that, asking for support from other countries when it really matters on climate change, on international defense, on all of these things that are huge in all of our lives. That's the thing that suffers, because then it becomes every nation for themselves. And on that happy note, yeah, yes, that, that's a tough act to follow. I, yeah, I, I, I must say um, that's that's a wrap up that uh, is come straight out of the textbooks. Oh, I think that's also actually a setup for our next show. <laughs> and next week on More Perfect Union, you're going to hear. Join us. What you, our, Nick? Join us on our continuing saga. Well, anyway, another more perfect union hour has flown by. I will confirm that. Or at and least we've stumbled through it. Yes, we've st- <laughs> there was some stumbling, particularly on my part, I'm afraid. But uh, we do have to say goodbye until next week. Now, again, I, we cannot stress this strongly enough. If you would like to weigh in on our discussions, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at franklin.tv. That's I-N-F-O at franklin.tv. If you enjoyed our discussion, let us know. Or if you disagree, all the more reason to let us know. You can also share or listen to this program or any of our past episodes anytime. Our podcasts are available online at our website, wfpr.fm. So for our guests from the radio roundtable, Dr. Natalia Linos, 
Dr. Michael Walker-Jones, our representative on Beacon Hill, Jeff Roy, and as always, along with Peter J., our station manager and our long-suffering and just, just, he makes us sound great. Ever so which patient. Is, yeah, ever so patient engineer, Keith Palmieri. I'm Nick Remesong. Thanks for listening and joining our shared journey toward a more perfect union. This is Franklin Public Radio.